Hey there, it's April Boulevard, your dog training mentor, and I want to thank you so much for coming in and listening to another episode of Why Does My Dog Do That? So if it's your first time listening, don't forget to like and subscribe to get notified when another episode comes out. I usually release them about every Tuesday. And also, if you um, have any questions, concerns, or comments, I love to get those too. And now, Anchor's letting you pretty much leave an audio message on any forum that this podcast is available. So press that button, leave me an audio message, and I will answer your questions and maybe even feature you on the show. Most likely I will. (laughs) Also, Don't forget, if you listen to some of these episodes, you really like them, to leave a favorable review on some place like iTunes, because what that does is it helps your fellow dog lovers find these podcasts a lot easier. So you will be doing them a great service. And if I've helped you in some way, you can always go to anchor.fm backslash dog mentor and leave me a monetary donation. I greatly appreciate it. I'm trying to get money so that I can publish a book. I just need some money to hire an illustrator. It's going to be a kid's book about my guinea pigs and I'm really excited about it. So if you feel like I've helped you in some way and you want to help me with that, then go to anchor.fm backslash dog mentor and leave a monetary donation. Once again, thanks so much for listening to my podcast, and I hope you enjoy today's topic. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm really excited about this week's episode because um, I'm actually going to have a guest on the show. It's Dr. Alex from Our Pets Health. He's an amazing um, veterinarian and also um, has a lot of presence online and I'm gonna talk to him about our pets and COVID so stay tuned um, in case the people don't know about you why don't you talk a little bit about yourself Sure. So um, I'm Dr. Alex. I'm a companion animal veterinarian. I'm living actually in New Zealand, so kind of the other side of the world uh, in the middle of nowhere, which is no bad thing at, at the current kind of time of that we're in. But yeah, I'm a small animal vet. So I've been a vet since 2006 uh, and as well as working in practice uh, in my normal day job, I also run a website, ourpetshealth.com. Um, and also have a YouTube channel and my own podcast as well. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the internet as well as um, helping all my local pets too. And um, tell us a little bit about the guy that you wrote, the Pet Health Essentials. The Pet sure. Health, so, right? um Yeah, so I mean, I'm a strong believer that preventative health care is really important and is actually quite underrated so we often think um, preventive care is maybe vaccinations every now and then maybe giving a parasite control or something but it's actually so much more than that and kind of the longer i've been in practice the stronger my awareness has been that actually preventive health care could help stop so many of the common problems that we see in dogs and cats so from uh, weight from skin disease um, dental disease as a whole plethora of things that are, can can have a huge impact on a dog and a cat's life their quality of life their um, the actual length of life that they're living as well um, so a few simple steps and it's amazing how simple these steps are can make such a big difference and so that's why i um, produced this guide it kind of goes through the most important things that anybody can do it doesn't matter where you live in the world it doesn't matter how much money you have or what resources you have it's really any pet owner can run through these steps um, take a few simple actions and it can have such a huge impact on their pet's health and um, their quality of life as well and even the length of time that they're they're with you Oh, and I, I totally agree with that. Um, I believe in, in that too. And like I brush my dog's teeth, I, you know, try and make sure they have good food and stuff, but how can we find, how can we find this if we, if we want to get it? 
Sure. So, um, yeah, simply heading over to ourpetshealth.com. So that's O-U-R, petshealth, all one word, dot com. Um, it's up there. Like, you'll find everything to do with me there on, on the website, the YouTube channel, the podcast. Yeah, and that free guide is on the homepage as well. So, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, kind of, that's my, my one home for everything on the internet. Right. So, um, so we're, we're going to talk about COVID-19 and our, and our, Absolutely. and our pets. And it's really interesting, yeah. I think, because you're going to have a totally, um, so for you, where you are, um, I saw there was like maybe only 21 deaths total. Yeah. In your, yeah. In uh, your- we've really escaped. We, yeah. We've really escaped from the worst of it. Absolutely. We're, we're lucky to be a really tiny, you know, island nation. So I've been in New Zealand for um, well, 10 years on and off now, and you'll probably tell from my accent. I'm originally from the UK, so I'm keeping close track of, you know, what's going on in the rest of the world and all our families back in the UK. So I know a lot of people are having a terrible time, but we're lucky here in New Zealand. Yeah, we've had yeah 21 deaths or so. Um, we've had, uh, so the last three days, we've had two new cases. So that gives an indication of how you know potentially well controlled it is fingers crossed you know there's still a long way to go obviously and um yeah we don't want to jump jump to celebrating things too early but yeah we're we're definitely not seeing the worst of things but we're still taking it very seriously um those levels have fallen and, and are at those low levels because of the the lockdown we've had a lockdown just like everywhere else in the world and actually we we were able to learn from other countries experiences which meant that we shut everything down and we're just coming out of i think it's been seven weeks since we had the major lockdown the last week it's um, a few more businesses have opened up and maybe in a week or two we might actually get go back to life more as normal not completely but yeah we're coming out the other end but we've still had yeah some big impacts um to how we're practicing as vets and and the healthcare that we're providing for for our pets which i guess is yeah what we can can talk about today right for for me here um just in my state alone um it's been 385 deaths yeah yeah it's just terrible the, isn't it I mean, yeah yeah um yeah they're they're starting to uh open things back up but um so the veg the veterinary practices here um especially the vet that i have um as soon as this became apparent that you know it was getting pretty serious um they changed how they uh so you you have to you're not allowed in the vet's office basically yeah yeah yeah, absolutely Um, same so same 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 here we actually still have that so we are locking our doors uh so no one could come in uh obviously people we're encouraging them to ring up rather than just drop um kind of drop by uh we're asking some questions to so that we can ascertain their health status so uh, have they been in contact with anyone with COVID 19 are they showing any symptoms on themselves uh, we were asking about a history of travel. Certainly, initially, all of our cases were coming from from overseas. There's been very low local um, kind of uh, community transmission. Um, so we were trying to ascertain risk there, and then we were, and this will vary by by clinic. Depends on uh, what kind of car parking and entrance facilities and space you have. But we were actually getting people to uh, drop their cat. Uh, just inside the front door in their carrier or there was a lead just inside the door again that people were clipping their dog to uh, they were then leaving the building uh, and then we were going to collect their animal and, and examine them by ourselves so without the owner presence and then talking to the owner on the phone to ask them about uh, you know kind of the experience uh, the, the experience that they've had the history uh, discuss our findings and and kind of come up with a plan so that's how we've been running and that's still very much how we're running that it may be that like I say we kind of de-escalate a little bit in a week or two but I think we've taken our lead from a lot of the other places in the world that are doing the same thing and they came up with these strategies before we needed to use them so why reinvent the wheel and it's you know i think it's important not to obviously underestimate the potential impact for the disease so as well as keeping ourselves safe as vets and our vet staff our techs our nurses our reception staff uh, it's also just trying to reduce 
the exposure of the owners to more unnecessary people and you know we're obviously seeing lots of people in the day and and the last thing we want to do is then go and infect everybody who comes to us so it's a bit weird practicing like that as you can imagine i don't know if you've had to take your um your your pet to the yeah. vet april but it's a bit of a strange experience yeah. and and it's from yeah. both you know from from both sides of the you know that door it's a bit strange but we're you know we're doing our best and we're trying to adapt and like everybody we're kind of making it up as we go along and adapting and changing our plans based on what works and um yeah hopefully it'll be nice to get back to life as normal because i do miss the interactions you know that i have with the clients i think that's one of the big things that i enjoy in my job as well as obviously dealing with with my patients but you know it's difficult to talk to people when you're not seeing body language and facial expressions or when you're just seeing them through a glass window with a mask over your face it's it's hard Right. I had an emergency uh, about a couple weeks ago with my ferret. Um, he um, has insulinoma, so right. he um, got hypoglycemic. He got hypoglycemic. He fell out of his hammock, and he was pretty much comatose. So I had to call them up. Um, one of the vet techs asked me questions. Took him in. Um, his blood sugar was so low, it wasn't even coming up on the meter at first. So, yeah, okay. um, Scary. he was probably going to pass away if I hadn't got him to the vet. So yeah. thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I basically had to sit in the car for like an hour while they, you know, got him back, um, to where he needed to be. And, um, I also had about a week or so before that a friend of mine had to put one of their cats down and i think yeah. um that was the hardest thing was they had to just drop the cat off and they couldn't be there um yeah, yeah. but it's i totally understand stuff. why because if the vets and the and the techs and everybody gets sick then there's going to be nobody there to you know handle the yeah well the, absolutely take care well, of anyone's pet yeah and and you know and it's uh, we've got to you know we've got to think of the human risk as well and you know we've got to put right. our, our, our safety first as well don't we and that goes for whatever you do we've got to you know remember that there's a lot of people dying out there aren't there and it's not just a you know a mild disease and a mild inconvenience and to be honest most the vast vast majority of um, pet owners are you know massively sympathetic to the situation they completely understand um and and you know there's no problems at all i i and i've not ha had any issues or complaints or anything like that from certainly from my patients but i have heard you know social media is a wonderful terrible place for hearing all the bad things isn't it but you know i have heard situations where people have been very abusive to vets and their staff uh, over the phone or you know through the through the front door because they simply can't um, access a flea treatment or a worming tablet you know that people are very stressed obviously but um, yeah it's, in some cases yeah. there's not that understanding but but in, in most yeah I think everyone knows that we're just trying to deal with things the best we can and that goes for whatever services you're 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 receiving from you know your plumber your electrician your builder your um your normal doctor whatever it is we're all just trying to keep everybody safe and do the best that we can and and you know with with what's a very novel situation you know none of us have lived through anything like this before have we no no this is this is unprecedented territory for sure so yeah, yeah. as far as your practice it, what changes have you had to make? Obviously, so now you're not letting people into the into the vet's office, right? What if yeah, they need? So what, if that, yeah. a, what if it's a pet owner and they need uh, medication for their um, animals? You know, how how are yeah, you guys so handling? Yeah, so I guess it's very similar in the sense that we're, we're asking people to call up ahead of time so that we can get it prepared. Um, it's all waiting for them. We can um, advise them of the best time to come in to try and, you know, make it a, a more manageable. We don't want 20, 20 owners turning up and queuing at the front door. So if we can try and spread things out over the day and make it safer for everyone. Uh, and then yeah we have a little station set up right by the door where we have uh, a kind of just a shelf where we can put items on there and then we have a kind of contactless payment as well so it's literally a case of not having to touch anything people can come and not touch anything pay and go on their way in in very quick time so we can turn it around very quickly and make it safe for for everyone but absolutely if people need medication you know they don't have to go without um we can absolutely provide that whether it's uh you know treatment for whatever medical condition whether it's a special food they're on you know what 
whatever it is, we can can still try and provide as much of a service as, as normal from that point of view. For when it comes to mild things, we have been discouraging that. Although, like I say here, we're lucky to to be getting back more to the normal services that we're able to provide. But uh, while things were in the serious lockdown and in most of other parts of the world at the moment as well, it's a, a case of emergencies only. So uh, things like your insulinoma is a clear you know, life or death emergency that needs to be seen there and then. Um, and there are obviously other situations like that with dogs and cats, but it also covers situations or certainly we were covering situations where there was the potential for it to turn into something more serious. So it didn't have to be a, a particular life or death emergency, but if it was something that needed that, that would compromise uh, a dog or cat's welfare, uh, if it wasn't if it wasn't dealt with, then we were also seeing that. But we were triaging things over the phone, uh, trying to make that assessment, make that judgment, uh, and potentially doing some video calls as well. So that's something that new that, oh, wow. although it has been for it's been around for maybe a few years. In the, but vets are, are typically quite slow to take up some of these mm-hmm. new technologies, and also it's very difficult with with animals obviously we can ask um, questions and we can try and ascertain things but our examination is so important because you know clearly they can't talk um, and so they can't say you know where actually it is sore or what they're feeling so uh, it's very difficult for um, you know sometimes it's very difficult as an owner to know exactly what's going on you know something's wrong with your pet but you don't know exactly where it is and that examination is so important which you know clearly we can't do over the phone uh, you know no matter how good the video is but it might be that you know if it was just a, a bit of a lameness a bit of a sore leg and actually you could see a video of your pet you know walking with a bit of a limp but you know not too bad that might be a situation where actually given the risks and management and all that kind of thing at this stage we would uh, maybe be happy to dispense medication without actually examining your pet which is which is something that really we don't do we, we haven't done before and it's probably something that we won't do once everything settles down again because there is the potential to miss diagnosis that way but um right. you know another example would be uh, if your pet's on long-term medication they haven't been seen for maybe six months and we want to do a checkup normally that would be in person but it could be that because we know that animal we know that history uh, we've dealt you know we've got a relationship with with you the owner then we can have that chat over the phone and we can assess you know whether or not there is a need to come in so we can kind of try and use technology to the best of our abilities really yeah i think here with um with my vet especially they're doing follow-ups on the phone so they'll follow up yeah. with you if, if your pet's fine then they don't want you you know to have yeah. to bring them in but do you, I feel it's my, I, my opinion, but I'm pretty sure, but the COVID-19 isn't going to go anywhere anytime soon. It's going to be around for a while. Um, and how yeah. do you think that's going to change your vet practice in the future? Uh, uh, well, I think, you know, it's a fluid situation. So I think as, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's not going anywhere anytime soon is it? And until there's a vaccine, which, you know, realistically is you know it's probably 12 months away that's what everyone's saying at the very earliest um so until that time there's going to be we're going to have to be practicing like this i mean it might be that as cases get lower then we can start opening up clinics and try and have people in but then it will be a case of still being quite distant maybe um you know you wait in a a particular corner in the consult room rather than being right next to the vet and and their staff member you know it's okay it it will evolve but i think that we're going to be using these technologies the video calls uh that kind of thing to the best of our ability to to where we're we're able to you know still provide a, a suitable level of care without compromising welfare and always being i guess aware that it might be that the plan needs to change so i mean it goes with without without saying with any veterinary care same as when we go to the doctor if the treatment isn't working then we need to revisit and that's you know never more the case than now whereas just because we've thought something over the phone or we've dispensed something after a video call if things are not working then it's going to be very important that we have that close relationship as a as a, a vet and a client um, you know it's a very important relationship anyway uh, but I think that's going to be especially important now because we're, there's going to be a certain amount of trust, you know, in what the vet's saying, but also in what the owners, you know, the history the owners giving, and and we need to keep in touch that things aren't going bad, it's just because we've tried not to have that 
um, you know, meeting in person. But I think, um, you know, we're going to have to get back to maybe doing more of our routine surgeries. So our spay neuters maybe, um, keeping up with our vaccinations because we don't want them lapsing for 12 months necessarily. Um, right. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to evolve to do some of those more routine jobs uh, and we'll have to have that transition. I mean, it's a month or two is neither here nor there, but if it's going into four, five, six months, we're going to have to have a, a bit of a transition and work out how we're going to, you know, to manage that workload and to provide that care. Because otherwise we could end up with a situation where we have uh, lots of parvovirus in puppies, lots of pandemic in kittens, loads of unwanted animals flooding shelters because they're not being, uh, there's no population control. So we could get into real trouble if, you know, over the longer period of time, we're not adapting to the situation. Um, right. you know, hopefully it will only be 12 months that we'll be dealing with this, but you know, who knows, it could be a couple of years, couldn't it, or longer. Right. So there's a lot of stuff out there and um, a lot of reports and they're, and they're saying that certain animals can get COVID-19, like, like uh, cats, uh, ferrets, I read that, but I already pretty much thought that ferrets would probably be able to get it as they do tend, they've already tend to get flus and flu-like viruses from humans anyway, but some people said yeah. dogs, then other people saying not, no, dogs can't get it. So in what what is your thoughts on that? What's true and what's false? Uh, so, so as far as we know, I guess, um, we'll start with dogs. So the history with dogs is that the there's been a couple of potential very low grade infection. So the, the first one, well, they've both been in Hong Kong, I believe, but the first one was a dog who had been, it was an older Pomeranian, I believe, 17 years old, who uh, was owned by a lady who did suffer from COVID. Uh, the dog was then uh, tested and tested a weak positive on repeated swabs of its nose and mouth. Uh, so it was only a weak positive, which is, is I think, worth bearing in mind, um, but it was positive nonetheless, and that was over a course of a, a week or so. Um, it never tested positive to rectal swabs. Now, the virus is also uh, is also passed out in feces as well. So if there was a real right. big infection, then you'd have expected to have seen that there. But um, And then following up from that, it had a blood test and there was no antibodies to COVID. Now, antibodies are, are produced by the body's immune system to try and fight an infection. So um, it's one part of the body's immune system. Um, so that, again, raises the question mark, was it actually properly infected or was the virus just able to barely survive in the kind of in the mouth in the nose without really infecting right. the rest of the animal I, I think my feeling is is that they can't become truly infected and they're not becoming like virus factories because if they were pumping out you know these are very very sensitive tests so they will pick up traces of virus if uh, you know on a surface that has been in the environment of an infected person so they're very very sensitive they'll pick up you know such tiny tiny amounts of virus so I think dogs, we, we, we don't need to worry about them being infected and then transmitting it to us from that point of view. Cats is very different. So they have been shown to be, um, to be uh, infected. Uh, there's been some pet cats that have shown signs of COVID as well. So the dogs also never showed any symptoms of COVID, whereas these cats have developed kind of runny noses and been a bit unwell. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and there's also been some tigers, I think it was in the States as well, that had an infected mm -hmm. keeper. Uh, and I think it was three I think three that was in the Bronx Zoo, they said. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they can become infected. One thing, so, so there is a potential risk there. I think we need to bear, it's important not to panic and not to blow this completely out of proportion because we think then, oh, there's loads of dogs, there's loads of cats across the world, they're going to be spreading it to everybody and everything. The advice has always been, so even from the very beginning before there was any of these cases and possible cases, the advice was always if you had a pet who was exposed to somebody with COVID-19, then they should also be isolated because there was, you know, it was a question mark whether they would be able to get it or not. Um, so that advice has always stood. If we think of dogs, so like I say, they the only way I think we that they are going to be a risk to us is if, say, you're walking with your dog or you're walking outside um, and there's a dog comes up to you who has been exposed to someone with COVID, they could potentially have be carrying that on their fur. So just in the same way that if you're touching 
door handles that someone with who's been affected mm-hmm. has touched you know any surface it's the same from that point of view with your with with the dog so rather than the dog actually transmitting it to you they're just kind of having it on their surface and could kind of carry it to you that way so um you know it's no more of a risk than you know touching any surfaces so practicing good hand hygiene is 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 really the way around that but also distancing so we need when we think of physical distancing we think of that between people so no more than two you know two meters or more uh is generally what the advice what the advice is here but we should be thinking about with dog as well so even if it's on a long leash uh and the owner is five meters away we shouldn't let the dog come closer than two meters um so that we're, we're reducing that risk and then if we think of cats you know the vast majority of cats they will come up to their owners but they don't you know most cats don't like strangers they don't go up um you know mingling with everybody else in the neighborhood um and sure there's going to be a few maybe that uh, that does the rounds and gets fed you know in a couple of different houses and those cats could potentially transmit it but your average cat i know certainly my cats they you know they come running up to us they rub themselves all over us to welcome us anyone else comes near and they you know they don't have a bar of them they don't you know they don't interact so i don't think we need to be so worried about cats you know spreading it to different households and i know in the states a lot of cats are indoor cats only um right. so again My that's you know that, only. yeah exactly so i mean that's that depends where you are in the world a little bit like in the in the states i think the majority i don't know what the figures are but i think the majority as i understand it are indoor only um in the uk say most will be outdoor cats but there are certainly a reasonable proportion of indoor cats and here in new zealand the vast majority would actually be outdoor cats but even then you know not many cats go from house to house so i don't think we need to worry but i think also if you do have covid if you've or if you've potentially been in contact then you should be thinking about isolating your pet and definitely letting your vet know as well because um they may take uh, an even more cautious approach with regards gowns and gloves and visors and hats and masks and all kinds of things if they know there's a much higher risk that that individual patient could have covid on their on their fur um also with dogs you can just wash them as well you know you can bath them shampoo them and although there's no evidence that that reduces the virus load we know that soap and washing our hands with soap it kills the virus um, very well and very effectively so shampooing your dog is going to be a great thing now shampooing a cat's right. a bit different isn't it but, yeah. yeah but, but so i've heard I guess too that they said that it doesn't really live on the fur that long like it won't stay on no. the fur no not for i don't think I, as yeah i'm not sure well i've i've certainly not seen anything to say exactly what the time is i don't know if if, if you have because there's obviously uh research comes out all the time but yeah i mean it depends on on the surface i think on copper it only lasts for four hours on plastic it's 72 hours and that's the longest there is um so fur is going to be somewhere in between there but i i i think i had heard as well that it it didn't live on there for a long period of time but i don't know the exact length of time but yeah it's not going to be on there for you know for days and days and weeks and weeks it's going to be fairly short-lived as well right i think one of my biggest fears is just that you know if i get it and i don't know i have it because of the you know huge incubation period that COVID 19 has where you can be asymptomatic and have it for so long and so um I've been trying to be careful with my ferrets and and not really kiss them because, you know, my one ferret likes to give me kisses. It was kind of hard because she she still tries to kiss me all the time. (laughs) I feel bad being like, no, don't kiss me. But um, yeah, how how can we keep our pets safe? So I think, yeah, not doing that yeah trying not to i guess yeah share saliva that's not really the right way to describe it is it but yeah trying to not (laughs) let them not 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 let them not let them lick your face or or that kind of thing and that's and and just washing your hands so you know when you're coming in to the house we should be we should be washing our hands really frequently at the moment as it is anyway uh so whenever we're coming in just just washing your hands really that's going to be the big thing um you know if if potentially you have had a dog jump all over you when you were out and about then maybe changing your clothes as well um but really just yeah washing your hands uh you know when you come in before and after you handle your pets as well don't let them lick your face clean up their on their food bowls and things regularly um just so that they don't you know they're not kind of leaving the trail of saliva everywhere and walking it through the house um you know think about maybe washing chew toys as well 
that kind of thing on a, on a more regular basis. But yeah, I don't. I think if we take those basic steps, then the risks uh, are massively reduced. Yeah, but you're right, ferrets are one. So the reason that different species are have different susceptibility is it's all due to where the virus binds, and we th we knew so. Um, so COVID-19 is a coronavirus, so it's not a flu virus, so that is very different. Um, but SARS as well, if you remember SARS, which was from a few years back now, um, that's also a coronavirus. So we've kind of had that, you know, kind of learning experience beforehand. And ferrets are one of those species that does have a share a receptor. Same with pigs as well, um, and also other primates, so monkeys and, and um, that kind of thing also share this. So, yeah, there's those all those animals that, that have the potential to be you know to be infected with it whether they display symptoms whether they become sick with it and whether it affects them as badly as it does us i to be honest i doubt it because it's so widespread in the human population we would have been hearing lots of reports of an awful lot of sick cats a lot of sick ferrets a lot of sick pigs um, or monkeys so right. i don't think we i don't think they're going to be i mean i may be proven wrong and it may be that it, the virus mutates as well but i think this does seem to be a it hits us an awful lot harder than it hits our, our pets. Yeah. And I've always been super, I've had ferrets since I'm um, 96 and I've never, yeah. thank goodness, ever had one get sick, um, you know, from me with that. I mean, adrenal, yeah. Days, yeah. adrenal disease and Sonoma, they always end yeah. up with one of those. Yeah. But as far as catching something from me, I haven't had that happen so so then yeah. the next thing i'm gonna ask you is something my husband brought up and he said he saw that there's actual people making uh masks for like yeah they're for yeah. like dogs and stuff so what's your opinion on that um yeah don't bother would be my would be my <laughs> would be the, the 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 short answer so masks they really are designed to stop the, the person wearing the mask from infecting other people. So to right. stop those droplets um, from kind of being expelled into the environment. Now, dogs, we've kind of already covered like dogs, they're not virus factories. They're not pumping out loads of virus. Um, so they're, you know, so that's not a risk really at all. Um, or if you could get a mask, if you could get a cat to wear a mask, then well done because I, I can't imagine how that would be would stay on. But, yeah, um, also, think, as from a dog trainer point of view, I don't think that you could get your. I mean, I'm sure there's some dogs who who might be, you know, yeah. okay with it. But I really don't think majority of, of dogs are going to be very. Um, no, absolutely, they're not going to be happy with it, are they? I mean, if wearing they're, a if, mask in the first place. Yeah, no. I mean, if they're if they're well muzzle trained, I guess beforehand they they might. But you know, that yeah, it's it's spread the main route of transmission. And obviously, I'm not a medical, a human medical doctor, but my as my, my understanding is, you know, the main route of transmission is droplets. So that's people right. coughing um, or sneezing over you, or being in very close contact with someone for a for a longer period of time. So it could be breathing, but that you know that that doesn't expel droplets to nearly the distance. So um, you know that is the primary route of transmission contact transmission yeah. so from surfaces touching and then touching our mouth nose and eyes is a possibility right. but is much lower risk um and again hand hygiene completely you know eliminates that although it's amazing how often we do touch our face if we if we actually stop to think about it but yeah. again if we think yeah. of our pets like if we're not lifting them up to our our level if they cough and sneeze they're you know we're we're going to be a meter and a half above them if they're on the ground right so they're going to that's you know we're almost two meters away just by our height um so i think you know i think we don't need to worry about that and the masks yeah i don't think they're going to be doing anything at all and like yeah like i say getting an animal to keep that on the, the whole time is going to be you know it's not yeah. going to it's not going to add to their happiness is it right no 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 that's yeah and and like you said it, it's real it's really not um a need we don't really necessary no, that we need no, to put no, our masks no, on a pet no, I mean, because that's what, that's what i've learned as well is that it's basically for preventive because uh they found they're not really sure but they found that just passive it might be passive transmission with and what that means is just by breathing you might be yeah. releasing it so if you have a mask on then you're 
protecting the people around you from, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, potentially absolutely. getting it. So um, we kind of went over this. So how we keep our pets safe, how we let, so, yeah. you know, not letting your dog run around the neighborhood, <laughs> like going to, yeah, absolutely. Going Just, into everyone's you know, house. And, yeah, yeah. Social isolation is for um, yeah. yeah, is for our pets as well as us. Really, is the bottom line. And then just yeah, don't lick faces. Um, mm. You know, don't kiss your pets. Don't um, you know, wash your hands. Yeah, all those kinds of normal hygiene things. And and yeah, and your your pet will be very well protected. I think too, we have to remember that. Um, I know you know that we need to walk our dogs and stuff like that. But I think um, it it's one of the things i think with with this whole thing is is so hard is just our interactions as people and i think when people see a dog especially if it's a really cute dog you know they want to yeah, touch yeah. your dog yeah, and yeah you want to go up and make a fuss of them too and you want to say hello and you know you stop and have right. that chat and yeah but we need to try and try and resist but i guess that's a you know an important point and i'm sure you've got a, um, a view of this april is that there's been a lot of people you know showing a lot of interest in getting a new puppy because they're at home they've got time oh yeah you know, maybe yeah, feeling a COVID dog yeah yeah but i think one of the real problems that we might get down the line is is that lack of socialization in the puppies uh, so right. socialization um you know clearly you know is, is incredibly important actually behavioral problems are the biggest cause of death and rehoming in dogs under the age of three um, so it's that important. So if we're if we're getting these puppies that aren't experiencing a lot of different people, a lot of different noises, situations, they're not they're used to having their owner around twenty four seven for the yeah. first two months Separate of their life. Then it's gonna blow up. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna absolutely it's gonna blow so up big time. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's even that's I think something with dogs that, that haven't that have never had it, just having their owners home. Like it, I think for us, we. Some, some states have been on you know lockdown or self-isolation for over two months or more so even if those dogs never experienced that social anxiety before when their owners just all of a sudden start <laughs> leaving the house when yeah. they got so used to them yeah. being around it might cause yeah some yeah anxiety. i think it will that could be, you know we could be working on that early we could you could be kind of leaving your leaving your pet but just leaving them in an, in the other room and you know, trying to be quiet next door so that they, you know, they, you know, they get they're getting used to spending time on their own. Really, is what needs to happen, isn't it? Um, you know, and if you can play, if you've got a puppy, you can play loud. You know, car noises and trucks and all that kind of thing. You know, that at least gives them some experience of loud noises and different things like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that people will really have to work very hard on once everything starts to um, loosen up. Yeah, I think too um, that a lot of people. Are well, staying at home, they're kind of like, oh, I should get a dog, you know? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just stuck yeah. at home. I should get a dog. And I think that that's great. But at the same time, it, it could go sideways when you do have to kind of get back to your regular life. Um, will you still have yeah, the time absolutely. that you need to take care of the dog? Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who unfortunately, um, you know, are out of work or they have their hours cut or um, have to take a pay, you know, pay cut. And pets are, you know, can be very expensive as well. So, yes. yeah, you need to go in with your eyes open, not not making that decision just because you've got a bit of time and you want to, you know, you want a distraction because um, you're feeling bored. Um, you know, there's a lot to owning a, a pet. I'm a big believer that, you know, you're taking responsibility for a life um, and that's a, 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 a responsibility that you should be prepared for the entire life of your pet. Um, so exactly. you need to think about what your, you know, what your housing situation's like. Are you, you know, are you renting and is that secure? Or are you going to maybe move? I get contacted by a lot of people say, you know, I'm moving and oh, I, I had one the other day and um, yeah, they're having to move to a place where they can't have cats but they were planning on just keeping their cats but keeping them outside and you know that's something that's just not you know not a, a realistic proposition so you know thinking right. about that thinking about the the space that you have the you know yeah if and if when you go to work you're actually you're working you're doing a 50 hour work week and there's no one home for that for that time then you know getting a, a dog that needs a lot of exercise um is probably not the right decision to make right right so um, one thing that that I um, 
appreciate you, Doctor, about you, Doctor Ox, is that you, that you have a strong online presence, and I think that was very forward thinking. Yeah. So I think you're kind of ahead of the curve. Um, I had tried to do online dog training before, and it didn't take off. I'm going to try it again because yeah. I think Zoom is a household name now, and everyone's kind yeah, of realized yeah. how you can still have kind of that interaction um, on Zoom. And you know, I can still work with a couple people and um, see wh what they're doing, and they can unshow them how to do things and stuff. And yeah. so it's almost like having a class, but just in that safe environment where yeah. you're not yeah. around uh, other people. But yeah. how, do you think the internet and other indirect ways of interaction are going to be key in like the veterinary world for the future, or or for you personally? Um. So from the vet, from a veterinary world, I guess we kind of spoke about that a bit, a bit um, you know, before. I think, yes, I think it's I think it's here to stay now, but I don't think, well, I, I know it can never replace an in-person, you know, in-person visit with your veterinarian if your pet's, you know, unwell or they're not improving, then that hands-on is, is absolutely essential. You know, I know the medics are more and more going towards it, but, you know, if I think the last few times I've been to the doctor, I don't go very often, thankfully, but... Um, you know, they sometimes won't even put their hands on you in any way. You know, they won't touch you. It's very much a conversation. What are your symptoms? This is what I'm feeling. Okay, this is what we'll try. Get back to me if it's not working or let's see you at the end of the course. You know, they're not really giving you a physical examination because we can describe what we're feeling. We can very accurately say where it hurts or, you know, what our symptoms are, but we just can't do that. We can't know for our pets. So it's very much a case of piecing together a lot of jigsaw puzzle pieces. Um, and the physical examination is absolutely vital for that right. so that is you know there's no way that we're going to be able to replace that anytime soon with the technology that we have but i think yeah our, our zoom calls you know that everyone leaves such busy lives um you know it's a bit of a cliche to say that but it's true um and if you can you know have that recheck appointment with your vet over a video call without you know with it literally then takes you the 15 20 minutes of chatting to your vet without the you know 15 20 minutes either side of going to pick your pet up them driving to the clinic and then doing that in reverse um you know that's more convenient for our clients um it's better use of your time um it's more more respectful of your time so i think things like that could potentially be here to stay and some clinics I'm sure will will adopt that very readily others will be more resistant to that change but um ultimately i guess as vets we are you know we think of ourselves as healthcare providers but we're really we're a service industry as well so we are kind of led by what our clients want and, and clinics will adapt you know to those changes based on what they hear from their clients so i guess that's about where i see it from a veterinary point of view um personally well i mean i'm i'm pretty heavily invested into the online world yeah personally um you know with the youtube channel with um my website and the blog and with the with the podcast as well so yeah i certainly am planning to continue that for you know for the foreseeable future and i think you know my one of the big driving um, drivers for me behind every starting everything up was there's a lot of information online and we can find you can find anything any information any piece of information that has ever been produced is going to be able to be found online but there's an awful lot of rubbish that and right. noise that drowns that out so it's actually very difficult to find good reliable information that makes sense that is based on evidence and not just opinion um, that's not based on um, kind of conspiracy theories it's actually very difficult and and unfortunately a lot of um, vets um, and veterinary staff because we're so busy dealing with our in our day job um, we don't have time to actually put a lot of information on the internet um, whereas a lot of other people who are maybe less reputable or have strong strong opinions but it's based on nothing more than their opinion um, right. you know they maybe have more time and are, and are quite happy to jump online to write that blog post and to try and sell that you know magic cure or remedy or or disparage their vet um, so yeah my big driver was to try and kind of add some positive noise to the internet if you like um, and, and be a place that people can find good yeah good health information and my, my aim is never been to replace the vet and actually if you look at say on get a lot of comments on youtube 
the vast majority of them say, you know, well, it could be X, Y or Z, but really you need to go and see your vet. There's no other alternative. So um, it's it's helping people maybe understand why decisions have been made, why certain tests have been run or why we're making, you know, certain uh, giving certain pieces of advice to help people feel more comfortable that that is what needs to be done rather than resorting to yeah, less um, reputable sources on the internet. Right. And I think too, just it's like human nature that sometimes when we go to do research about something, we really aren't looking for the answer. We're looking for stuff to kind of assert what we feel is the answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. So that's called cherry. I've done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're absolutely right. I've done. A, I've actually written because that's a really important piece of. Yeah, that's a, a. If everyone knew that, then we'd we'd go an awful long way to correcting some of the problems on researching online. But yeah, so um, that's confirmation bias and cherry picking. So we are going on with an agenda, whether we know it or not. We think we have a feeling whether it whether that search is true or not, and we will just pick out the the websites that agree with us and we'll and we'll ignore those that disagree with us so we will yeah it, it yeah we could have trick ourselves we're our own worst enemies sometimes right and that's why i've always appreciated everything that you put out because you know i know it's you know it's backed by your years of of experience and education and um and it's all and it's all you know good stuff that's gonna point you to the to the right way and one thing that um my vet um has done even before this is um they have like a online um where you can get your pets prescriptions or their you know prescription yeah. food or whatever online um so i think you know as far as now that's probably a good thing as well because that way people yeah. don't have to yeah. really you know go to the vet and get it they can just get it online and get it delivered is that something yeah. that you guys Absolutely. do as well um so no uh, so we don't do that um here there's uh, i guess we um well people joke that new zealand is like 15 20 years behind the rest of the world <laughs> and and yeah to a, i think that's a little bit unkind but in certain ways we are a little bit behind um yeah i mean it's a, it's a big it's a big undertaking i think in the states it's a lot easier to set that up there are you know uh, and the kind of the the inventory management and um getting it all online um there are there are companies that will do that um whereas i think in other parts of the world there those those supports because ultimately vets are, are very busy doing their clinical job and actually don't have a lot of time to spend researching you know how to get all that done so right. um, yeah I, yeah so i mean it's not going to be appropriate for everyone and there's a you know a certain cost in providing that service as well so it needs to be taken up we i guess we're still very much in a situation where there is a lot of the time there's still someone at home um you, you know all, all the time there's only a sole a sole breadwinner so people can afford you know do have the time to come and pick up medications and things like that but you're right i mean that convenience is what you know what separates and and your vet may well have what um, you know, grown considerably over their rival who didn't offer that service because they were able to, you know, post things out, um, you know, without needing to go in. It's a, yeah, I mean, everything's developing with technology and we're trying to adapt and work out, see what works and see what doesn't. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, going going from there, really, we can't do more than that. Well, I mean, I, I would like to... <laughs> I'm thinking about moving to where you are because wow when i saw that <laughs> when i saw just 21 dust i was like oh my gosh that's amazing so yeah, yeah maybe you yeah, know I, maybe you're not as technological you know advanced in in some ways but um sometimes it's good maybe to be a small little oh, yeah. island oh there's an awful you know? lot yeah that, there's a lot of good, good yeah there's a lot of good reasons to to come and be in new zealand absolutely but um yeah, we've all got to make the most of it, don't we? We can't change our situation that we're in. And we've all just got to try and stay safe at the moment and, and be kind to everyone. And we can't, if we do that, if we yeah stay safe and, and we be kind, then yeah, the world might even be a better place at the end of it. Right. And I think too, um, as far as me as being a pet owner, um, my animals have really, really helped me through some pretty, you know, stressful days. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that if if 
you know, most people are going to be listening to this podcast or are going to have pets. So, you know, um, we're blessed in that sense of, that, you know, that we have that um, companion. And, and for me, just, I, you know, I'm, I love dogs, but I love all animals. Um, we've got guinea pigs, we've got ferrets. I have had a turtle for 30 years. Um, and then we have dogs and oh, wow. cats. Yeah. And for me, it's just animals okay. are just, they're, they're just, you know, pure happiness and they just, they don't, yeah. they don't yeah. need a lot to, to be happy. And I think, uh, we can learn a lot from our pets in that way, especially now, you know, I think yeah, if it's absolutely. one yeah. well, they thing, are part of the family, aren't they? Yeah. Right? One thing that I've learned about um, during this whole experience with COVID-19 is that, wow, things that we took for granted that we didn't even know were like, you know, that we just, that we just didn't even think about, like being able to go to the store or just go out to eat with somebody or visit a friend or have coffee with someone is like, that's, that's not happening, you know? yeah it's the simple things in life isn't it that that make it what it is and it's um yeah we don't need all the other stuff you know the other stuff can't that we have in our lives can't replace yeah that interaction and pets are yeah play a, play a massive role they're a great comfort um yeah they know if we're stressed and they you know they they help bring us out of that as well so no i completely agree they are massively important to our lives well dr alex thank you so much for coming on my podcast today i appreciate it um i feel like you know, having this discussion with you and I hope for my listeners that well, I feel like I have a better grasp on this and how, you know, it pertains to my pets and everything. And um, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great. And yeah, I hope it's been been interesting and helpful and, and maybe help relieve, um, relieve some people's anxieties out there as well. Um, tell the listeners one more time uh, your your website, the at, how they can get onto your website. Sure. So, yeah. So you'll find everything at ourpetshealth.com. Um, the, if you're listening to this on your podcasting app and you just want to jump onto my podcast, it's called Call the Vet, um, and I answer uh, individual uh, pet owners' questions about their dog or their cat. Um, but yeah, ourpetshealth.com is where you can find uh, everything about me and YouTube and the free guide as well. So get your hands on on that and and start taking steps now to improving your pet's health yep and dr avery i i have to say i your your youtube videos are awesome too so if you haven't seen his youtube videos you should definitely check them out all right i'm gonna let you go thank you so much once again for coming on and answering these questions it's been my pleasure april thank you Hey, thank you so much for listening to my Why Does My Dog Do That podcast. Um, Definitely check out some of the older ones if this is your first time listening. And hey, don't forget, now Anchor allows you to leave a voice message on any place that you listen to this podcast. So I want to hear from you. Please send me your questions, your comments, your suggestions. Um, I love to hear from you and also don't forget to favorite and subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. And if you listen to some of these podcasts, you're really enjoying them, please, if you could do me the favor of leaving a review on someplace like iTunes, it just helps other dog lovers find these podcasts a lot easier. I hope you have a great week and I see you back here next week.